Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listener, a warm assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. You're listening to Breakfast Show on Voice of Islam Radio, broadcasting from one of the largest mosques in Europe, the Battle for Two Mosques. My name is Shahil Munir Ahmed, dear listeners, and I'm going to be your host for the next two hours. And in the next two hours, we have a full-packed show prepared for you. We have two segments which we will discuss today. The first segment will be about Islamic teachings and scientific innovation to tackle food insecurity. And the second segment will be about the effects of war on young people. And for that, we will have two guests as well. Uh, we will have a professor of neonatal medicine and a GP trainer from West Yorkshire who will help us through uh, this segment. And dear listeners, of course, if you want to put in, uh, if you want to be a part of the show, you can do so. You can call in anytime. The number is 0286877878. Or you can go on our social at Voice of UK. Let us know your thought about that. Especially, what do you think? What if Islam, what has Islam brought to the world? I say always Islam is a guidance. Islam is basically teaching us how to live our life and how to prosper as human beings. So let me know your answer. What do you think? What has Islam brought for the world? The number is 0286877787. Or you can go on our socials at Voice Islam UK. The listeners, um, Throughout the week, normally what I do is just I just look what is happening throughout the week. Uh, what are the headlines uh, throughout the week? Um, I don't know if you have time to read the newspaper yet. Um, I normally just go quickly uh, over the newspapers, over the headlines of the newspapers. And uh, while I just um, open uh, the headlines of the newspaper, I can see that it is mainly about Designation of the immigration minister Robert Jenrick and of our former former Prime Minister Johnson, who has apologized over the COVID death. So let's see what the main papers are saying. Um, the Guardian declares uh, Tories in turmoil following the designation of the immigration minister Robert Jenrick. Listen, he quit after concluding the emergency legislation on the Rwanda deportation uh, deportation plans was a triumph of hope of hope over experience. The Daily Telegraph reports that Mr. Jenrick failed in his attempt to pursue Rishi Sunak to give ministers powers to ignore the European Convention on Human Rights. Now, according to the Financial Times, the bills thus ignore, but supporters of the Prime Minister say it is at the max of what he could do. The Daily Express reports that Mr. Sunak's first text, test on a draft Rwanda's, Rwanda bill is expected to come next week when MPs have their initial vote. Some are reportedly calling for the Commons to sit over Christmas so it can pass through Parliament as soon as possible. Writing in the eye, Katie Bells points out Mr. Sunak suffered his first defeat in the Commons this week and the worry of for ministers is that it could be the beginning of a trend. As for Mr. Jendrick, according to The Guardian, he will return to the backbenches trying to make waves as another standards bearer for the right. 
And then, dear listeners, we can see pictures of former Prime Minister giving evidence the COVID inquiry make many front pages. Now, Mitro says in his headline that basically the headline of Mitro is sorry for your loss, which is the phrase of the former Prime Minister where he apologized for the COVID death. The Daily Mirror opts for the words of protesters, the dead can't hear you, apologies. The sun leads on how the former Prime Minister fought back tears as he recalled the covid ravaged year of 2020. The Daily Star is less sympathetic with his front page, showing Mr. Johnson with a Pinocchio-style long nose. Note the performance of the two men at the centre of yesterday's hearing, Mr. Johnson and the lead counsel of the inquiry, Hugo Keith, are picked apart, writing in the eye. Ian Dunn says all the former Prime Minister gave was sorry. Ian Dunn says all the former Prime Minister gave us an endless stream of words, none of them providing any clarity. Jason Betty on a Daily Mirror accuses him of selective amnesia over key questions. The Guardian calls him an unreliable witness in the Daily Mail. Mr Keith is linked to one of those chaps on the old spies at by Quentin Letts, adding his polished skepticism fell on hearts grown because Boris had for once done his homework. And the listeners, the Sun reports that the BBC license fee will rise by more than £10 next year. The paper says corporations' bosses had hoped that levy would go up by early £15, but ministers pressed them to settle for an increase of 6.7% in line with September's rate of inflation. Meanwhile, the Daily Mail declares bangers are back at a report that families are returning to comfort eating to get through the cost of living squeeze. The result of White Rose annual food and drink report show shepherd's pie, battered fish and Yorkshire pudding have all seen a revival. Even pies are reportedly on the up. The Guardian says that trend is linked to the end of the avocado toast years with expert hailing smashed peas as a lower cost of environmentally friendly alternative. So this is basically, I just read out read out the headlines of the news. We can see that it is based more mainly about the um, resignation of Jendrick and about the former Prime Minister Boris Johnson and his apologies of, uh, of the COVID death. Of course, um, those who have passed away, they can't hear him anymore. Um, the listeners, um, m- more than 20 flood warnings are in place across parts of Western England, with the Met Office predicting some areas could see up to 18 millimeters of rainfall. The forecasters said rain was set to fall on ground that was already sodden, with melting snow also increasing the risk of flooding. It has warned that travel by road and rail is likely to be disrupted. We have... Um, Neil Armstrong, chief forecaster of the Met Office, said we have issued a number of severe weather warnings for, for rain across the UK. As much as 80 mm of rain could fall in some areas of the West, particularly higher ground. And in eastern Scotland, higher ground could even see up to 100 mm of rain, he added. Mr Armstrong also said that rain will be falling on already very wet ground and where there is still lying snow on the northwest of England and parts of Scotland, snow melt will ex- ex- to the risk of flooding. 
The Met Office has issued yellow warnings for rain in southwest England, the Midlands and parts of northern England, Scotland, most of Northern Ireland and South Wales until Thursday evening. It said areas of low pressure will bring wet and windy conditions, displacing the cold weather that has seen frost, snow and ice in some regions. A second low pressure will see further weather, uh, weather fronts during Friday and Saturday morning. There will be an there will be there will be then a brief calmer spell in the southern half of the UK as a ridge of higher pressure moves on through Saturday afternoon. Through shower, showy rain will continue in the north. The, uh, the Met Office just reported, and uh, just listeners, uh, just make sure that you take care of yourself. Uh, do wear your clothes accordingly as well. Um, the only thing like was very important is that of course health is very important and we have put this many many times we have uh, we have cited many many times as well on the voice islam radio that islam has basically um told us or taught us that life given which is given by allah is a blessing of allah as well is a gift which we should take care of so make sure that in those way um rainy days that you make sure that you take care of yourself. Um, dear listeners, um, an update from uh, Adnan al-Bush in Gaza. Uh, Antonio Guterres, uh, directly one security council members, states that the humanitarian system in Gaza may collapse. In a dramatic move, the UN chief invokes a UN article not used in decades to call on members to avert a humanitarian catastrophe. He says he expects public order to completely break down because of continuing Israeli bombardment and lack of essential supplies. His comments have been criticized by Israel Foreign Minister Ali Cohen, who called Guterres a danger to, uh, to world peace. Israel agrees to allow a minimal amount of additional fuel into Gaza to prevent humanitarian collapse and the outbreak of epidemics. Legislation to provide new security assistance for Israel has been blocked by Republican members of the U.S. Senate. Hamas attacked Israel in October, killing 1,200 people and taking 240 hostages, some of whom were released during a short life truce. Now, of course, the listeners really condemn what Hamas has done. This was totally un-Islamic. And, uh, yeah, basically it had nothing to do with Islam. Um, what we also say that what Israel doing is also not right. Um, to kill innocent people is against, against the teaching of Islam. There is no critical damage in Islam. The Holy Prophet has made some rule or some put some law for war as well. But he has said that killing innocent people, women, children, who have nothing to do with war uh, is wrong. So therefore, as I said uh, um, already, Cultural damage has, if there is no way in Islam that cultural damage could be accepted, it is against the teaching of Islam. And I think, as a person of peace, who someone who wants to maintain peace in the society, if there's someone, he will agree with me, saying that yes, of course, war should only be happen between uh, the armies. Innocent people should not be included into it. It is very frustrating what we see in uh, Gaza, and 
I just remind what His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Mursur Ahmad may Allah be self has said many times in his Friday sermons that we should pray for the people of Palestine as well, and we should offer during our prayers one um, for, uh, supplication should be also only for the people of Palestine. Um, carry on, dear listeners. Um, yeah, yesterday uh, football, the Premier League has. Um, um, has seen something very strange in the past few weeks and that is that Man City has not won his last four Premier League matches they drew three times and yesterday they lost against Aston Villa 1-0 and they could be lucky that they only lost 1-0 because Man, uh, Aston Villa had many many chances to score more goals but failed to but anyhow still they scored one goal so these those three points went to Aston Villa and heads up to Unai Emery who formed a very strong team and as I said Man City is struggling uh, as they haven't won any of the last four games in the Premier League and are now fourth with third, six points um, yes uh, six, six points behind the first place Arsenal London who have won 3-4 against Luton on Tuesday, also yesterday, um, Liverpool won against Sheffield United in Sheffield United with 3-0, and Manchester United won against Chelsea 2-1. McTominay scored two goals. Um, also, Fulham, the listeners won 5-0 against Nottingham Forest, and Brighton won 2-1 against Brentford. Wow, Brighton is doing well as well this season. They are eighth, though, but they have played many many points which I think is good for them on Tuesday as I said Arsenal won 4-3 against Luton and Wolves won 1-0 against Burnley and today the listeners uh, uh, we will see Everton against Newcastle uh, Newcastle is, uh, is also doing very well um, they are 7th right now but they can jump uh, to the uh, uh, up to the fifth place if they win against Everton, and then we have Tottenham, who are playing against West Ham United, two teams who are hoping to play next year in the Champions League or at least in the Europe League as uh, again. Um, this is, I think, one of the toughest games which we we'll see today. Uh, if Tottenham wins, they are will have thirty points and will share the fourth place with Manchester City if West Ham wins they will uh, have 24 points and will come closer to three points closer to the international places which is I think is very important um, because they have done very well in the last few years and if they keep on doing if they keep on playing like this they can become in the next few years a very good team it depends of course how they play this season um also we had um yesterday the listeners one Europe League match of Maccabi Haifa and Villarreal which was nil nil and um the Scottish uh, champion Celtic won four one and Rangers won one nil against Hearts. So the listeners this is just uh, yesterday's football. Um Interesting is, as I said, that um, never seen, we, have, we haven't seen this for a long time. 
that Manchester City hasn't won any game for the last four, like the last four games. And also very interesting, Una Emery, who's the coach of Aston Villa, who won yesterday against Manchester City. He never won a game against Prep Guardiola except this game, which uh, yesterday, which happened yesterday. So uh, also a con huge congratulations to Una Emery. Uh, and again, he he made a great team. Surprisingly, Aston Villa is in the four, uh, third place, which means they can play next year in the Champions League if they continue to play like this. And uh, also to Arsenal, uh, uh, who has say, showed mentality in the last game, scoring the last minute, uh, uh, in the last minute, the uh, goal for uh, getting the three points, which are very important for them as well. This is, this is uh, uh, about news, um, as I said, uh, or two topics which we have to prepare today are Islamic teachings on scientific innovation to tackle food insecurity uh, and the effects on war on young people. And even here we will discuss it from the Islamic perspective as well, what the Holy Prophet peace be upon him has basically explained and what law he has made. I just um, mentioned one where he said that it isn't not, this is uh, allowed to kill innocent people like women, children, who have nothing to do with the war. Um, there are many, many other um, laws and rules he have presented, and you will be surprised that the international law and the law of Dalit Prophetism are very similar. And the only thing is that Dalit Prophetism has made this law 1,400 years ago. So many, many thousand years before the UN came to existence. This is also really interesting, and this is why we will focus as well. Um, we will go now for a short break, and after the short break, we will be back. So do me a favor, stay in tune with the Voice of Islam Radio. To think that seeking help from God is sometimes without result, and wondering that the Rahmaniyat and Rahimiyat, graciousness and mercy of God, do not manifest themselves in the shape of help, is the result of misunderstanding. God Almighty surely hears the prayers that are offered in sincerity and helps the seekers of help as he considers proper. But sometimes it happens that the prayer and request for help of a person are not inspired by sincerity and lack the humility of the heart and his spiritual condition is not up to the mark so that while his lips utter the words of supplication, his heart is inattentive or is only making a show. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to Breakfast Show on Voice Islam Radio. And dear listeners, as I said before, we have two segments prepared today. And the first segment is about the Islamic teachings and scientific innovation, how to tackle food insecurity. And as the topic already says, we will discuss this topic, this segment, from the Islamic perspective as well. Um, I've prepared chronic verses for that as well. And uh, food, of course, is the most important thing. Um, something I think everyone should have. And uh, But still, we see around the globals, a lot of people are struggling to have food. Starvation is a huge problem which we see. and But, dear listeners, Islam has given the answer for that. Islam has given basically guidance how to go through that, what we should do, how to tackle that problem. 
So the listeners, um, our Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, has announced that the UK is setting up a new science in- initiative to help develop flood-tolerant rice, disease-resistant wheat, and other crops that are more resilient to climate change. Now, dear listeners, I just want you, you know, what I want you to do is, in this segment, uh, I want to bring on the Islamic teachings, you know, the Islamic guidance uh, that support this effort as well. And because Islam has already given the answer 1,400 years ago already about that. And uh, to that, uh, and I think this is a huge uh, support for this matter. Um, but before I carry on, dear listeners, um, I just wanted to know what else has Islam done for this world? There are so many things Islam has brought to this world, so many good things. Uh, you can call in anytime. The number is 0208-687-7878. Or you can go on our social at Voice, Voice of Islam UK. Let me know your answer. Um, I will carry on with the segment. Uh, so, dear listeners, food insecurity. Uh, is I think this is something you've heard many times, uh, which is frequently a result of poverty. Now, in addition to reducing people's access to food, natural catastrophes and climate change can also cause conflict and violence. Now, mostly families caught in the cycle of poverty typically lack access to nutrition-dense food, which, of course, results in undernourishment. And consequently, dear listener, undernourishment makes it harder for people to work harder and earn money so they can buy nutritious food. And then, of course, we have, unfortunately, so many wars going on in this world. We have civil wars. We have so many um, conflicts. And these are causing um, problems as well. Um, For example, I just want to give you one example. We have the civil war in South Sudan, which has resulted in widespread displacement in deserted farmland. Now, group failure in the outcome, and when coupled with an extremely high rate of inflation that dries up to the cost of imported food. 7.2 million people are facing a food crisis. Right, this is like South Sudan where we have this uh, crisis, we have a civil war going on there. Then we have Zambia. You know, Zambia is uh, is a nation um, which enjoys peace, to be honest. Uh, It is politically stable as well. But Still, there's starvation, which is a huge problem over there. And the reason is climate change. Climate change basically pr- brought starvation to that country. Rainfall that is either ex- excessively light or too heavy can ruin crops and cut down on the amount of accessible animal grazing. Now, the, listeners, the world's poorest regions are also typically the ones most affected by extreme climate trends. So this is also one problem we, we see, which we need to tackle, climate change. As I said, Zambia is a peaceful country. You know, they don't have any uh, instability. Maybe they have few, but still, it, it is politically stable. It is uh, enjoying peace, but starvation is still there because of climate change. So we have climate change. We have conflicts um, which are causing starvation. Now, what is Islam saying? Because the listeners, the reason, as I said already, already, is Islam has already given the answer for that. Because we say Islam is a religion, it's a global religion, a religion for everyone. 
And the listener Islam recognizes the necessity of sustainable food security for all mankind to enable them to eat and live healthily, actively and productively. In this context, Islam offers the following approaches and measures towards ensuring that humanity secures food, particularly for the most vulnerable, the needy and poor. Now, for example, the listener, if you open up the uh, Quran in chapter... 16 verse 70 uh, Allah the Almighty says that Then eat of every kind of food and follow the ways of thy Lord that they have been made easy for thee So Allah God the Almighty has said that he has provided food for us He has provided uh, the way and uh, also says that eat from that but also follow my way Now in chapter 7 uh, in chapter 16 in verse 72 he says and Allah has favored some of you above others in worldly gifts, but those more favored will not restore any part of their worldly gifts to those whom their right hand possesses, so that they may be equal sharers in them. Will they, will they then deny the favor of Allah? Now basically, this verse mentions that Allah has bestowed resources upon the earth for all creatures. However, he also said that human greed and Inequal disruption, distribu sorry, distribution of wealth and resources have led to widespread poverty and hunger. The concentration of resources in the hands of a few, while many struggle for basic necessities, contradicts the principles of justice and equity in Islam. So this is one, you know, one thing Islam has mentioned that there are people, right, who have a lot of things. Yeah, Allah has blessed them with many, many things. But yet Allah will want to see that they are do share these blessings with other people as well, which they then not, uh, not are not ready to do. And this is one problem we have as well. So sometimes we have to put away our own ego to share our food, the most loving thing, with other people as well. This is one beautiful saying of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. He said, a true believer is someone who desires... For his, uh, for his brother, the same what he desires for himself, for himself as well. So if this is like one of the best guidance, you know, if you think about that, uh, you can restore brotherhood, you can build a healthy civilization by following these words of the Holy Prophet sallallahu May peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And then um, we have in chapter two, verse two hundred and six. Where Allah says, and when he is in authority, he runs about in the land to create disorder in it and destroy the crops and the progeny of man. And Allah loves not disorder. Of course, Allah is talking about conflicts, which we see, unfortunately, in too many parts of the earth. And Allah has said that basically in this verse, which I just mentioned, Allah basically condemns aggression and corruption on earth. You know, wars... And conflicts often driven by politic, politic, politician issues, economic or uh, uh, disrupt food production and disruption, distribution. Sorry, which is leading to uh, food shortages, and this affects many many regions. And so, bec and here again, you know, if you want to like the best way to end war is again follow the saying of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him that if you want to be a true believer then the desire for your brother the same what you desire for yourself as well that if you want to live in peace 
in harmony. Of course, everyone wants to do that. Then desire the same for your brother as well and end the conflict. You know, sometimes you have just put your ego away. You know, justice is very important, which we don't see. And if you have justice, well, we can end this problem of starvation. And a lot of people, the needy and poor, will have food as well. So this is very important. And as I said, Islam has already given the answer so many years ago. So Allah has said, basically, Allah, Allah, Allah the Almighty has condemned aggression and corruption on earth. And he has said that world leaders or, or who are capable to do to lead should share their food that belongs with those people in need. This is what God has said. God has basically provided for everyone everything. It is on us if we are ready to share with our, 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 our fellow human beings or not. And we should do so, of course. Islam has many, many times said that, that we should distribute our food to other people as well. Now, um, um, there are many, many, um, uh, let's say, innovations made as well um, to, uh, to, for, to tackle food security. Now, food security and agricultural advancements has also benefited greatly from technology, uh, like um, drip irrigation, or uh, there are some developments in agriculture, mechanization uh, and precious farming have increased food quality, decreased growth, and increased agricultural production. Now, the use of food preservation methods is crucial of guaranteeing food security. Now, by using these methods, food waste may be decreased, food safety and equality can be increased, and food shelf life can be increased. Now, technological developments in food preservation, including freezing, canning, and drying, have contributed to a rise in the variety of accessibility of food items. Now, for example, the creation of novel packaging materials, including packaging with a changed environment, has contributed to in increasing the fresh producer's shelf life and lowering spoilage. And then, for example, you go for shopping, cooking, or eating like more sen sensibly. People may lessen their personal waste. However, there is some th sometimes little option in how much of any particular component can be purchased. And having to buy more than necessary or desired might result in a lot of food going bad or being thrown out. Now there are two components of food access. One is to have direct access, means to be able to cultivate and gather your own food. And of course access to food is referred to as economic. The availability of food does not imply that everyone has access to it. Now, many households cannot afford to buy enough food because of poverty. Which is very sad. Access to food and consequently food security are influenced by factors such as income and education. Dear listener, a household's ability to purchase food, the sort of food purchased, and the distribution of food within this household are all influenced by these two elements. So this is <coughs> very important as well. To know that household can't afford food is very sad as well. Uh, and this is something we need to end as well. And of course, Islam has given the answer, dear listeners. You know, if you if we again look on the Holy Quran, uh, just to see what God has said about this, what Allah has said, in dear listeners, in chapter 
30, verse 42. God says, Corruption has appeared on land and sea because of what man's hand hath wrought, that he may make them taste the fruit of them, of some of their doings, so that they may turn back from evil. So basically in this uh, verse, Allah of course talks about the consequences of corruption in the land and sea due to human actions. <coughs> so there is an irresponsible exploitation and natural resources, deforestation, pollution and climate change have affected agricultural productivity, uh, productivity leading to crop failures and food insecurity. So this is what Allah said in this verse as well. That again, you know, again, Allah is basically telling us that listen, you you are human beings, but if you do something wrong, other people will be affected. And Allah has said one thing in the end as well that they might be see the wrongdoing as well, so they can be affected as well. It can come all back to them as well. <coughs> so very simple. Um, Allah has beautifully explained it that the bad outcome is that not only those people who are in need will be affected, also those who are doing the wrong thing will be affected as well. So this is like warning uh, as, as well that we should stay away from corruption. And uh, also, you know, the Islam encourages responsible stewardship on land and resources. However, Unsustainable farming practices, including excessive use of chemical uh, 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 fertilizers and lacks of crop diversity, have degraded soil fertility and decreased resilience against pests, diseases, and climate change-related challenges. So, dear listeners, um, these are basically the main thing. You know, I just want to mention that. We have so many problems in the world. If we end, if we want to end food starvation or food insecurity, then the best thing is that we need to tackle these things like conflicts or climate change. We need to basically bring changes in ourselves as well. This is what God has said in the Holy Quran many times that it is us who bring corruption in this world. It is the human beings who bring disruption in this world. And God says basically, yeah, you need to put away your own ego, yes, do justice, and share your food with those in need. Because um, Allah has given so many things to everyone. And, uh, you know, um, for, for example, the Holy Quran declares that anyone, particularly a Muslim, who neglects or does not urge to feeding the poor has rejected or denied the existence of religion. You know, for example, he says in chapter 107, Hast thou seen, hast thou seen him who rejects religion? That is the one who drives away the orphan and urged not to feeding of the poor. So, <clears throat> as a Muslim, as a follower of the Islamic religion, my important thing is that I also uh, fulfill the rights of Allah's creation while fulfilling the rights of Allah it is important that I fulfill the rights of his creation as well which Allah has basically explained in this verse as well that fulfill the rights of northern yes and feed the poor as well so basically Allah has 
And how amazing Allah has basically explained that if you want to be a Muslim in Allah's eyes, then do these things as well. It is not only uh, enough that you just offer your five daily prayers, yet you need to do some other things as well, which is to fulfill the rights of Allah's creation. Um, because the says the Holy Quran exhausts uplifting of the poor and in, as a necessity for national progress and national progress and uh, to uh, of course if he refuses to channel with wealth towards this path of material and spiritual progress then Allah has also given an answer for that he says and we have pointed out to him the two highways of good and evil but he attempted not to access ascent uh, courageously and what should make thee know what the ascent is it is the freeing of a slave or feeding in the day of hunger, an orphan near of kind, uh, or a poor man lying in the dust, which is from chapter 90, verse 11 to 17. So again, basically, as I said, the listeners, in the beginning, I said, Islam is a religion which is giving us guidance. It is a world religion. Yet Allah is speaking to the Muslims, that listen, if you want to be a Muslim in front of me, then do these things, right? Yes, free a slave. Yes, feed um, a person in, uh, in need. Uh, and of course, take care of the orphan. So this is what Islam basically, this is what basically Quran is telling us. And this is so important to us because as a Muslim, if I don't do these things, how can I call myself a Muslim? So again, while offering the five daily prayers, which are very important, we need to fulfill the rights of Allah's creation as well. This is important as well. And I remember I was watching a video. Uh, of, someone sent me that video on WhatsApp and I saw His Holiness. But he said the same thing. He said like, five daily, offering five daily prayers is not enough. We have to also fulfill the rights of Allah's creation. And Allah has explained, you know, these are those few verses I've just mentioned. And... There are many, many other verses where I explained these things as well and talked about that as well, about food insecurity as well. And as I said, as I said in the beginning, food is very important. Food is something we need. Food is something everyone needs to stay alive. Yet, sometimes we see that people are basically denying that thing to other people. Sometimes I see that a lot of people are wasting food as well. And this is totally against the Islamic teachings. Islam has uh, taught us to do justice and to share with other people as well. Um, so, I just want to sum it up again. Okay, what I just said is that Islam emphasizes justice and uh, distribution of resources and fundamental principles. Now, as I said, the Quran provides guidance of fairness, charity, and the distribution of wealth, and to to ensure a just society. There's the almsgiving calls a card, where um, basically the Quran has spoken about this as well. The categories of people entitled to receive the card, which is a mandatory charitable charitable giving for Muslims. It includes the needy, the poor, those in debt, travelers, and those working in, to distribute it. Now, this practice ensures that, uh, to, to 
increase wealth and helps alleviate poverty. You know, we, we live in a time, for example, dear listeners, where the richer are getting rich and the poor are getting poorer. And the main reason is because of interest. Now, Islam has given the answer for that as well, which is zakat, the almsgiving, right? He has said, God has said that if, so if you're not using something for a year, then give 2.5% of these things to do, those people in need. Basically, <clears throat> what Islam is saying that if you're wearing a cloth, if you're wearing a cloth from a very um, expensive brand, like, I don't know, Boss, Armani, etc., then remember these things, they were made by someone else. That person has made these things for you, or even though you purchase it, but remember it was made by someone else as well. So he has basically a right of that piece of clothes as well. So what can you do is, if you have something which you haven't used for a year, just give 2.5% of that to that uh, to the needy and poor people. And you see you will reduce poverty. This is the best answer to reduce poverty as well. And as I said, Islam is such a beautiful religion. Islam has given this uh, answer to to uh, to bring uh, to bring together or to uh, yeah to just to end poverty, and uh, then there's uh, one other voluntary charity which we know as sadaka, where Muslims are encouraged to give voluntary ch charity, which emphasizes that even small acts of kindness count. This voluntary giving helps in the sharing of resources among the less privileged, and <coughs> this voluntary charity is also way to get closer to Allah. So someone who's looking for that, to get closer to Allah, of course he will give that voluntary charity, which we know as sadqa, which again, even if it's a small, it's a small amount, still, it is an act of kindness, which counts. And then, also, Quran stresses the importance of just measures and balance and transactions, urging people not to deprive others of their due rights. Now, this principle applies to economic dealings, ensuring fairness and equity. And then, also, um, Quran lays down guidance, guidelines for inheritance, ensuring equitable distribution among family members based on specific shares. Now, this prevents wealth concentration among a few individuals. And one also very important thing is the caring for neighbors and relatives. <coughs> Sorry for that. Because, the again, Quran encouraged Muslims to be considerate and compassionate towards neighbors, relatives, orphans, and the needy. This fosters a sense of community and the sharing resources with those in need. You know, the instance the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, for example, he said once that if you make food, then double the amount of the food so you can share with your neighbor as well. And this neighborhood, he at least said that 40 houses from the left, right, in front of, on the back of your house are considered as your neighbors. So as much as you can, of course, share with your neighbors as well and take care of your neighbors. Because I said, again, as early as well, that this is how we build a healthy society. You know, you if you want to live in a healthy society, now of course you need to know your neighbor as well, and of course you need to fulfill the rights of your neighbor as well, which has, which is very emphasized in the Islamic teachings and by the sayings of the early Prophet, peace be upon him. He even said that we are not a true believer if we are not looking after our neighbor. So again, here, it is important. So you see, <coughs> the listener, being a Muslim, yeah, I can call myself a Muslim, 
But am I a Muslim in front of Allah's eyes? Have I done these things? Have I did I look after the orphan? Did I look after the need and poor? Did I did I give charity? Did I give zakat? Did I give the alms? Did I look after my neighbors? You know these things are very important. God has told us to do these things so that we can be called Muslims as well, so that we can be considered Muslims in God's eyes as well. So it, it is. These are things very are important. It is not just saying uh, that I'm a Muslim. No, the acts are important. This is what God is looking for, and this is why Allah has commanded us that, that uh, to do so. Only then we can call be we can call be Muslims as well. No. Um, the listeners, uh, what I've also found out is that you know low-income countries have to face a lot of economic challenges and financial needs. Well, this means that they have to rely on international institutions of support. Countries that are econo- uh, economically economically strong should therefore feel a responsibility to be funding these developing countries' struggles. Now, the problems that low-income nations have faced of the, the nation phase have gotten much worse recently. They have experienced uh, multiply economic shocks in addition to the pandemic. Additionally, they now have to deal with the lack of funding, high inflation, ongoing food insecurity, growing debt, vulnerabilities, um, particularly in uh, governments that are unstable or have experienced conflict. So our growth estimates for low-income nations have been lowered since their per capita income growth is no slower than what is required to catch up to developing nations. Now, this possesses a threat to break a long-term pattern of gradually rising living standards. Rising living standards. They have little hope of re- regaining the territory they have lost without quick action and increased assistance. In fact. We project that low-income nations will require an addition $450 billion in financing during the five years to 2026 in order to encourage growth and return to an income gap with rich economics. So, <coughs> to, to for that, again, Islam has given guidance. For example, Islam says about the consequences of corruption on the land and sea due to human actions, which I already mentioned before as well. Um, which, of course, uh, then uh, brings us to uh, pollution and climate change, would have affected on ag- agriculture, uh, agriculture um, productivity as well, leading to crop failures and food insecurity. So Islam is basically, which is again, Encourage us to be responsibility towards stewardship of land and resources. Uh, so, dear listeners, <coughs> Muslims consi- consider the Quran to be the first and most comprehensive statement of human rights and human history. That's why I, you know, I mentioned these verses as well because for me, Quran is a statement of human rights in human history. Now, according to Hazrat Khan, who was president of the International Court of Justice, in his book, Islam and Human Rights, the broad principles and standards established by Islam support the intent and goals of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Islam upholds freedom 
and conscience and thought, and it teach, teaches respect and tolerance for all mankind. For the Quran <coughs> proclaims that there must not be any coercion in matters of faith. That is, there should be absolutely no compulsion in the matters of belief or disbelief. The clear restriction of women's right and religion's freedom, and particularly noticeable in the Cairo Declaration, the Cairo Declaration does not grant total freedom of religion, even if it forbids the forced conversion of Muslims. Article 10 declares, Islam is the religion of true, unspoiled nature. It is prohibited to exercise any form of pressure on man or to exploit his poverty or ignorance in order to force him to change his religion to another to another religion or to atheism. So this is <coughs> just a short um, answer what Islam basically is giving. Uh, uh, as I said before, Islam has given many, many guidance to tackle food insecurity. And basically Islam speaking to human beings that it is upon us how we deal with that matter and how much we share with other people as well. Um, without that, if we do not listen, we will see poverty increasing. So this is just a short um, glimpse I gave from the Holy Quran. There are many, many more. Um, dear listeners, we will um, discuss this topic for the most well, but we are coming close to the hour, which means that we will go now for the news break. So do me a favor, stay tuned with the Voice of Islam Radio, and I will see you after the news. A news station, the Voice of Islam, with live discussions, religion and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam with the Voice of Islam. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back. You're listening to uh, the Breakfast Show on Voice of Islam Radio and DSNS. In the first segment, which we are still on, we were talking about uh, the Islamic teachings, how to tackle food insecurity. <coughs> and uh, I just mentioned one uh, thing of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, which is very beautiful. And if we thought uh, acting on that, I think we can tackle so many other things as well. The saying is that you are not a true believer until you desire for your brother the same what you desire for yourself. Now, if you look into that, as I said, we can um, tackle poverty. We can encourage people to, uh, to help other people. We can basically maintain brotherhood in the society. So many things we can um, basically come bring to an end. So many bad things and so many good things we can come come we can come forward to. For example, or as a human being, I want peace for myself, for my family, for my friends as well. So I need to do that and make to make sure that my brothers have the same thing as well. If I want to have every time food on my table, of course I need to do that for my brothers as well. So I need to provide them, I need to make sure that they have the same thing which I want to have as well. And this, you know, dear listeners, this is uh, this is basically Islam. This is what Islam says, to look after other people. Before you fulfill your own rights, make sure you have fulfilled the rights of others. Before you fulfill your own need, uh, uh, fulfill the needs of others first. This is important. This is Islam. Um, this, this incident, um, I've mentioned this incident so many times. This is where Abu Sufyan, who, who, was, who commanded very late, before he converted to Islam, he was a fierce enemy, a fierce enemy of Islam. He was a 
he was basically one of the biggest enemy Islam had before he converted. And uh, he came to the Holy Prophet peace upon him while he was not a Muslim. And he asked him for food and drink for the people of Mecca, for those people, dear listeners, who are responsible for the killing of a lot of Muslims, who are responsible for two wars against Muslims, and who basically vowed to destroy Islam and the city of Medina where the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, used to live. Now, what did the Holy Prophet do? Without hesitating, he told his companions to gather some food and something to drink and give it to Abu Sufyan so he can bring this to his people and they can have a good share of it. So this is what I just mentioned in the beginning as well through the Islamic teaching, through the um, uh, verse of the Holy Quran. But who is best to explain us these verses? except Holy Prophet peace be upon him. That's why I gave you this example as well, to understand that matter as well, how to tackle that problem. Uh, and uh, it is our responsibility that when we have, when we can share, then we should do so. Um, there are so many things uh, world leaders can change. They can tackle climate change. They can end poverty as well. Uh, but it is upon us as well that <coughs> that we st- start to wasting food as well and that we share with other people as well you know God has provided for every man everything on the earth yet it is human beings who are stealing who are taking away from the other people and let these people then in danger or let's say uh, they leave them in problems which is uh, is very um way disturbing as well and it's a huge problem we see so to end these problems God has said it many times to wake up yes to put away your own ego to act with justice and to share with other people to share your good your food with those people in need this is what Islam basically has said this is what Islam explained very beautifully so this is how the guidance we have received many times many many thousand years ago many hundred years ago thousand four hundred years ago sorry from the holy prophet peace be upon him from the holy quran from the words of allah how to end poverty how to help mankind and again god has said that if you want to be a believer then help those people in need help those orphan food uh, those people who are starving and try to end poverty this is Islam, I just wanted to end uh, with that. Um, we will mm, go off. We will go just for short break. Uh, we will be back um, with this next segment, which is about war and what effect war can have on young people. So do me a favor, stay tuned with the voice of Islam Radio. Writings of the Promised Messiah, Salam. In a dream, I saw an angel seated on an elevated platform in the guise of a boy. In his hand he was holding a pure loaf of bread which was very bright. He gave it to me and said, This is for you and the dervishes who are with you. I saw this dream at a time when I was not at all known, nor had I put forth any claim, nor was there any group of dervishes with me. But now I have a large jamaat of people who have voluntarily chosen to put their faith above the world, and have thus reduced themselves to the position of dervishes. 
having migrated from their homes and having separated themselves from their relatives and friends, they have taken up permanent abode near me. I have interpreted the loaf of bread as meaning that God himself will provide for me and for my followers and that we will not be rendered anxious on account of lack of provision. This has been the case over a long number of years. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to Breakfast Show on Voice of Islam Radio. Um, we will come now to our second segment, which is the effects of war on young people. Dear listeners, um, I'm talking now about the most vulnerable people of the world, which are premature babies. 28 of them have arrived in Egypt from Gaza on Monday and were receiving care in two hospitals. Um, so along with the thousands of children lost in this war, the effects of those remaining can be severe and lifelong. Uh, this war, dear listeners, you, you have been seen as, as all over social media as well. Um, it has in fact for so many people, so many young people have died, so many premature babies have died. Uh, it is so sad to see that not even premature, even mature, uh, mature babies have lost their life as well. And to see these people, these people, these babies, seeing them dying, it is traumatic. Uh, and uh, not only that, uh, this whole conflict can have a very bad effect on the young people after even even after the conflict comes to an end. And uh, we will discuss this today, and we will um, talk about that, because um, we have seen bombardment uh, near the hospital as well. We have heard about that. Where tall people are trapped, a uh, few of them are staff as well, patients and civilians, who are looking shelter in these hospitals. And yet, they see the bombardment as well, and... Um, then we have newborn babies who are fighting for their life. They have just opened their eyes and the first thing they have to do is fight for their life, which is very sad. So, um, Palestinian authority said several newborns have died due to power outage and, sh of, and a shortage of medical supplies. Now, hospital staff described having to move babies by hand from incubators after running out of fuel and wrapping them in foil to keep them warm. Listen, as I said, this is something you don't want to hear about babies. And it is very sad. Um, we have uh, someone with us on hold. Her name is Nina Moody, who is a professor of neonatal medicine and faculty of medicine, vice dean with responsibility for international affairs at Imperial College London. She is also a fellow, uh, a fellow and member of council of the UK Academy of Medical Science and President-elect President of the European Association of Prenatal Medicine. Uh, Professor Nina Moody, good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. Thanks, good morning. Professor, um, neonatal medicine is very important for premature babies, for low-weight low babies. Yet we see in Gaza so many premature babies who have died, babies who have lost their life or premature babies who are fighting for their life. As a professor of neonatal medicine, does this, have very, uh, does this have an effect on you as well? It's horrible, isn't it? it it's the most tragic thing in the world. You know, um, UNICEF estimates that uh, around, probably around 250 million children 
are living in conflict zones at the moment, and about 25 million children are refugees. And when you think about babies, and then you think about premature babies, you're thinking about the most vulnerable hmm. segments of our society. So it's it's incredibly tragic. It's heartbreaking. And um, as I said, this is your study. You have um, like basically vowed to help these vulnerable babies, these people. Uh, and uh, yet, you have mentioned that there are so many people in co uh, who are uh, babies who are suffering from the conflict of this war as well. And what inf uh, impact can this have on their life after the, the conflict comes to an end? Well, the, the first and um, saddest thing to say is that, of course, premature babies are incredibly fragile and vulnerable. Mm. Um, and even under the best of circumstances, sadly, uh, the, the mortality rate amongst premature babies can be quite high. Now, if you add to that problems of conflict and war, that's going to be even higher. And those that, who, those that do survive very often will survive with lifelong problems. The other, the other important issue is that, of course, all babies need their mothers, but premature babies need their mothers most of all because their mothers can provide warmth, which is one of the key things they need, mm -hmm. and mothers can provide milk, which is the other key thing that babies need. And, of course, mothers are also being traumatized and separated from their babies by war and conflict. So there's a an even greater problem than you would see normally. So you just mentioned, you mentioned mother. I believe you're a mother as well. And uh, the importance uh, of a mother, because, you know, in, in Islam, we say that paradise lies underneath the feet of your mother, which shows the importance of mother in Islam as well. So um, as a mother, um, what, like, for example, I've, which I've heard is that in Gaza, for example, a mother could decide either to leave his premature baby in the hospital and go with his other children or tell his chil her children to go and to stay with a premature baby. What impact can this have on mothers as well? It's, it's again, it's the most traumatizing decision that a mother can make to decide which child to go with. Mm. It's, it's impossible to even comprehend how traumatizing and damaging that can be for a mother to have to make that kind of decision. She, she's, she's losing either way, whichever she decides. And the trauma of having to make that decision is going to be with her for the rest of her life. This is very sad. And uh, uh, Professor, I want to stay on Gaza. Um, you have done uh, research as well and your commitment on health equity is impressive. How can data research address healthcare challenges for infants in conflict areas like Gaza? So here, uh, organizations like the World Health Organization and UNICEF and Save the Children have been have been very clear that that what we need is is better data. We need better information about the numbers of children that are being affected, what sort of effects are they're they're actually suffering from and what their outcomes are, because it's only if we've got really good, reliable data that we will know what the impact is on them and on their societies, and hopefully we will be able to do something about it in the future, try and prevent it in the future. But if we're working with guesswork or with supposition and we don't have good figures, we don't have good data, then of course it's very hard 
to actually make a case and say this is the extent of the damage that's being done and this is the extent to which we really need to strive to make sure that the most vulnerable members of our society are protected in the future. So so good data is everything. Mm. And um, leading the neonatal research, how does health data help understand and address long-term effects on infants in a complex region such as Gaza? Oh, well, in, ma in many ways. So I've already mentioned that uh, the most important thing for any baby, and particularly the most vulnerable babies, is, is to keep them warm, to feed them, to protect to protect their breathing, protect them against infection. These are all basic principles, but they're, they're even more important the more vulnerable you are. But, but what research can also help us do is show us different ways in which we can keep babies warm. Of course, the easiest, simplest, and best way for a baby to be kept warm is to have skin-to-skin -skin contact with their mother. But if their mother's not there, what do you do? If you've got no power supply, then an incubator is useless. Mm. Uh, a heated blanket is useless without the power supply. So maybe you need battery-operated heated blankets. So, so research can actually help develop um, alternative ways of providing the basic fundamental necessities that these babies need. And um, talking like uh, uh, I've just been on your Twitter page as well, you have given a lecture about um, the suffering about children as well that a third of the world's population that with the longest future ahead of them, children have no vote and hence no voice. What can we do to listen to the voices? That's true. That, that's true. Thank you very much for mentioning that. Um, so, so I'm part of an international mm -hmm. community um, of child organizations and academic organizations who, who have pointed to the fact that in democracies, it's accepted that every person should have a voice. Hmm. Yeah? You, would you accept that? Yes. Um, but, but children don't have any voice. Hmm. They don't have a vote. There's no one to represent their perspectives. Hmm. Um, and if you're an adult and you have a head injury, say, and you no longer have the mental capacity to vote, somebody else is allowed to vote for you. Uh -huh. But if you're a child... People say, oh, they haven't got the mental capacity to vote. Well, we should give them somebody else to vote for them. So that's what we're saying there. Let's, let's enable children's voices to be heard. Because unless their perspectives can be put across, the world is not going to change. It's not going to take heed of all of the things that are affecting them. And they have the longest lives ahead of them. Not true. About talking about long, longest life in conflict zones, coming back to conflict zones, we know the children are suffering and a lot, a lot of them are losing their life. Yet they have voices as well, which we are not hearing. Um, how can we hear their voices and how can we help them? Oh, I think we as adults have got an overriding duty and responsibility to discuss, to negotiate and to try and find peaceful settlements. Because when we adults fight, hmm. children become the innocent victims of those conflicts. True, true. That's, that's actually very true, yeah. Because, I mean, this can have an impact on the children as well when they grow up. I think they will act in the same way then. That's right.
That's right. They will, um, you know, particularly young children learn from their their adults around them. And so in conflict zones, what we're seeing is violence breeding more violence. And the cycle goes on and on. But if we want to break the uh, cycle now, for example, uh, these people in the conflict zone, they just see the conflict. And yet when the conflict comes to an end, as you said, there will be more violence. But we want to end this violence. How can we tell the children that this is not the right way? By example. Mm, by talking and by example, by talking, by discussion, by holding our politicians, our policy makers to account, by saying we absolutely denounce war and conflict. Because, uh, Professor, you made a very good point. This is something we always forget is that if the war comes to an end, we say, okay, good. But we don't just don't see the outcome of the war, which is, as I said, and I think we should, we need to talk to the children and we need to educate them as well. We need to put these people to cont- uh, to, to uh, question them why they did this to these vulnerable people. Um, I uh, come to know that you um, rece- uh, you you have awards in health data as well in your research. Now, how can data-driven approaches enhance neonatal care, especially in challenging regions like Gaza or other conflict regions? By by making the, the by making by by counting the number of children who are affected and and the problems they suffer from, and making those data known, mm-hmm. publicizing them, telling the world what is actually happening to children, and, and that- indeed, not only children. You know, other people as well. Other people as well. But what are like? To be honest, Professor, if I, if I look on social media, if I go to this conflict wars, I see people, children dying, children in poverty, children hated, children who are crying. What are the suffering? This is this is not. I, I don't think this is the only suffering they go through. No, the suffering because because children who are traumatized keep that trauma with them for life. Hmm. That you know their their mental health is affected it's not just physical suffering but it's mental suffering and you can you know you can see physical suffering if you have a wound or an injury you can see that but if someone has a mental injury and is mentally suffering it's not so obvious is it but that trauma can stay with them for for the rest of their lives and we you know uh, this is not my area of research but there are other um other very distinguished um academics who have studied the effects of children who have been brought up in traumatic circumstances because of war, because of conflict, because of poverty. Um, and these experiences stay with these children for life. And uh, yet, what I've also seen is, in Gaza, for example, I've seen children who are still smiling, who are playing. Um, is this just a mask they are showing to us or because um, they just don't want to see us the real picture of them which they have which they have developed now because of the war or is it really like they have so much strength that they just forgot the conflict and just want to live a healthy life happy life is it possible for children still even though if he goes through that conflict that after the conflict he still can have a normal life without the violence without thinking about the violence Oh yes, because children are so resilient, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, and and children don't, children don't, young children don't bear grudges, the way adults do. Mm. Um, they are they are open-minded. They're innocent. They can be. Think of a baby. A baby will cry when it's unhappy, mm. and then it will stop crying and will start smiling. 
So you can always, I think, you can always have hope with a child. You can always have hope that if conditions get better for them, they will respond to those better conditions and there's hope for them in the future. So this is, there are so many things we can learn from a child then. To, there are. There are, basically. Um, um, uh, Professor Moody, it was very beautiful listening to you. I really enjoyed talking to you as well. And That's I, very kind of you. Thank um, you. Because of the short of our time, um, we have to carry on, but I really want to have you one day again in the breakfast show, seriously. Well, it's been a pleasure and and it's been lovely talking to you. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thank indeed. you. I wish you Thank all the best for the future. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye. You just listened to Nina Moody, uh, who is a professor of neonatal medicine and faculty of medicine, Weiss Dean, with a responsibility for international affairs. And she is also a member of Council of the UK Academy of Medical Science and president-elect of the European Association of Prenatal Medicine. And interesting what she said is that we talk about war, yet we see the suffering, uh, the physical suffering, but we don't see the impact we which they have still have also like we don't see the damage which is caused inside the body which will last for a long time and forever and this is like the bad outcome of war like war is already bad but then there's a bad outcome as well which again um, brings disturbance more in the society as well and uh, to bring this to an end she said it we need to talk to these children and we need to be And this is very important, she said, we need to be a good example as well. Without that, of course, we can't educate children. But she also said that we can learn from children as well. Because children, they don't have any, they don't hold so many branches as adults do. And uh, yet, the, this is something we can learn about from them. It's very uh, interesting what she said to the listeners. I would recommend to listen to the, uh, um, uh, uh, the interview again. Um And uh, it is actually this is simply bad. Um, premature babies or babies, the most vulnerable, who are suffering from the conflict. And yet, what did they do? Nothing. They were just born. The only um, mistake, uh, I don't say mistake, but uh, the only thing w w was shouldn't happen to them is that they were born in these conflict areas. Uh, and uh, um, that's why I think um, it's a sad uh, to, uh, to think about that. Um, And the only thing we can do is, like, as Professor Nuni has said, we need to talk to them. We need to uh, educate them. And we need to show good example to them. But to show good example, this comes uh, to the point where, where His Holiness, Hazrat Mr. Masood, may Allah be salp, has said as well that to show good example, to sh uh, we need to put away our own ego, right? We need to make the good decision. You know, we are adults, and yet we are causing so many damage to the world. And this is wrong. And this should be, this should come to an end. Um, His Holiness has said that even in times of war, Islam does not permit the killing of women, children, or anyone that is not engaged in the fighting. That is sometime, something which the Holy Prophet has given very strict guidance on. So yet, he said that anyone who is not engaged in the fighting should not be killed. And again, premature babies have nothing to do with the war, but yet they are dying as well. Yes, babies are dying, and this is so sad. Ch uh, children, I mean, even a child has nothing to do with the war, but yet he is so traumatized after the war. He has 
is going through so many mental um, problems, which is so wrong. And this is the sad thing of war, the bad picture which war brings. And uh, that's why, I mean, I'm surprised we haven't learned anything from the future, uh, sorry, from the past, from the history. Uh, and uh, the Islam always emphasizes for peace. Islam is yet a religion who says that um, that if you want to be a true believer then follow the guidance and follow the attributes of Allah. One of his attributes is Salam, which is the source of peace. And a Muslim who wants to be a true Muslim, he of course has to follow that attribute as well and he has to be a source of peace for him for, uh, as well, not for himself, but for the whole society. Um, Allah says in the Holy Quran, and worship Allah and associate not with him and show kindness to parents and to kindred and orphans and the needy and the neighbor that is a kinsman and the neighbor that is a stranger and the companion of your side and the wayfarer and those whom your right hands possesses. Surely Allah loves not the proud and the boastful. Chapter 4 verse 37. So yet Allah has again told us to show kindness to parents as well. And here I'm coming back to what Professor Nunia said that... Um, Mother, for example, that play a big role for the upbringing of children, right? They have the milk which the children need. You know, for mother to lose child is so traumatic, it's so sad. And that's why God has said, yeah, listen, don't forget that. Look after your parents. They have many, made so many sacrifices. You know, the paradise lies underneath the, uh, the feet of your mother. Which means that care for your mother, look after your mother. Yes, there's one very good example um, uh, incident basically of a companion of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, dear listeners, where he came to see the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, and he asked him, "Oh Prophet, who should I respect the most?" And you know this is some, uh, something which makes me sometimes emotional as well because the answer of the Holy Prophet was, "Your mother." Yet the companion asked him the same question, "Who should I respect after my mother?" And the Holy Prophet replied, "Your mother." And then um, the companion asked the same question the third time. Who should I respect after my mother? And the answer was, of Tolipovism, your mother. And then the companion asked the fourth time. Who should I respect after my mother? <coughs> then the Tolipovism uh, replied, your father. So you could see the responsibility and the need of a mother as well. Uh, and why she, they are so important as well. And... God has spoken about this as well, that we should look after our parents as well. And we should um, not only after them, also after the children and the neighbors as well. In chapter 2, verse 84 in the Holy Quran, Allah the Almighty instructs Muslims to speak kindly at all times, to be considerate of the feeling of other people and to love and protect vulnerable members of the societies, such as orphans, children or those living in poverty or destitution. Institution. And in chapter 51, verse 20, the Holy Quran states that the hallmark of a true Muslim is that he should care for all of God's creation and should comfort and support those in need, whether they seek the help or not. And it is not enough for a Muslim to wait until someone asks for help. Rather, it is his duty to recognize the suffering of others and to make whatever sacrifices are required in order to help them overcome their challenges or troubles. 
Die Liste ist, ähm, um, der ist, just while I was reading, um, uh, uh, the verse, or explaining the verse, there was another incident that just came into my mind that if, uh, that when uh, the Holy Puffers, uh, Holy Puffer piece upon him, he was playing with children and he was, like, having a good time with his children and there was a man sitting next to the Holy Puffer piece upon him and he said that I have ten children and I never kissed uh, any of my children. And the Holy Prophet, when he heard this, he was so sad, so disturbed by hearing this. He said that those who do not show mercy, they won't be shown any mercy as well. And this is what he said about, like, because he, he, that person never showed any love and compassion towards his children. And when the Holy Prophet heard that, he was so sad and... Uh, Indeed, like children are beautiful gifts from Allah. Babies are beautiful gifts from Allah, um, which we should adore. Which, which uh, they are adorable. Without them, um, of course, we can't. Like these are the future of ourselves, and we need to make sure that the future is perfect for them. And for that, we need to maintain peace in the society as well, because. Conflicts brings more conflicts. Yes, um, we see um, conflict in so many areas. Yes, I just mentioned Gaza, South Sudan as well. In many parts of the world, we see these conflicts, and children are affected with that as well. The violence they see they, from the elderly people, they learn from them, and then, of course, they will do the same, which is very sad. They are traumatized uh, with that, and the trauma stays with them. It's, and uh, that's why... Um, we we need to bring an end to that. You know, in the beginning of the show, I was talking about uh, to fulfill the rights of human beings, right? To f feed uh, the hungry people, yeah, the, in, the poor, the needy. In chapter 90, dear listeners, verse 15 and 17, Muslims are instructed to feed the hungry, to show empathy and love to orphans, and to help anyone in need. Now, especially those in poverty or who are defenseless and weak like children. Babies, premature babies. Yes, Muslims are thought to be the ones who comfort and love those people who have been failed by society and to carry the weight of their burden and their own shoulders. So those, who are those who are failed in society? Mostly those children who are not looked after. Those who are going through a big trauma because of violence they have seen in the society. And Islam is telling you that look after them. Yes, educate them, show good example to them, be nice to them, be kind to them. This is what Islam is basically telling us. This is what Islam has told us, how to establish a peaceful, good society in the world. Um, and of course to carry the burdens as well. You know, Muslim, dear listener, a Muslim is duty-bound to help the underprivileged people, so that they can stand upon their own two feet, live with, and that they can live with dignity and be freed from their desperate circumstances. <coughs> Sorry. In return, the Quran states Muslims will be rewarded with increased spirituality, which in turn will take them towards God Almighty and make them recipients of His pleasure. So you see, this is so important. You know, we, we need to f focus on that now. God says, listen, if you want to be close to me, good try make 
make an effort. One effort you should do is look after my, um, my my people. Those, especially those vulnerable people. Yes, with vulnerable, Allah meant of course children, of course babies, of course premature babies, of course women, of course elderly people, of course people in uh, in need, of course orphans. So, so damn, so many people who are basically mentioned in vulnerable people. Look after the homeless people. If you see them, just give them food. Give them the uh, socks. Anything which keeps them um, safe. Yes, give them shelter. This is what Islam said. This is so. That's why I said focus on that because Allah said, "Why are you doing so? You will raise some spirituality, which brings you closer to God." And this is basically the true meaning of life as well. That without that. Because this is for Muslim, this is his life. This is the reason he was created to be close to Allah, to increase in spirituality, to be very close, to be very near to Allah. And to do so, Allah has given us instructions basically, or let's say he has given us guidance how to be, how to come to, uh, how to do that. And uh, one thing is that, of course, that we need to end conflict, we need to end wars, wars need to come to an end. And those who are affected on war, help them. Show kindness to them. Carry their burden. Make sure that they can stand on their two feet with dignity and with respect as well. And try to build up the society which was basically destroyed by the wars. Um, I said society in the beginning of the second segment. You know, 28 premature babies. Maybe there are more now. Who have arrived in Egypt from Gaza and are receiving care in two hospitals. Now an Egyptian government source said after the infants were evacuated evacuated from Al Shifa hospital in northern Gaza, they have been treated in two hospitals. Okay. Now the government source told CNN on Tuesday nearly all of the babies are suffering from low blood oxygen levels while one of them is being treated for an eye injury. Can you imagine that? A premature baby has an operation because of an eye injury and several of the babies have been diagnosed diagnosed with a low birth weight which is also very sad very very um, tragic for them as well as um, this is life-threatening why would you do that to a child or to a baby and this is what Islam has taught us and Islam has said to be a true believer to be a true Muslim to be close to God look after these people Make sure that they have a healthy life. And again, you know, dear listeners, it comes back to the saying of Tolly Prophet, peace be upon him, which I mentioned in the beginning of the show as well, which I've mentioned many, many times in the show, that you can't be a true believer until you desire for your brother the same what you desire for yourself. And when you desire peace for you, a good, healthy life, then make sure that you give the same thing back to your brothers, to the people in your society as well. Uh, <clears throat> Now about these premature babies, who um, they are receiving treatment in Al Arish General Hospital in the Sinai Peninsula, and in the new administrative capital hospital in Cairo. Um, a doctor uh, at Al Arish named Ahmed told the Egyptian state broadcaster Al Qahram on Monday, "We have been waiting for them during the past few days. We have made all the preparations to receive." the newborn baby with all the medical equipment needed for that. Uh, 
so this is uh, this is something you know as I said it is horrible if I see the pictures of these BB it reminds me that Holy Prophet has told us that we should uphold the rise of even of the children of enemies you know this is what he said like if you have an enemy yes if you have started war against him for what reason or whatsoever Make sure that you follow the guidance of the Holy Prophet, which is uphold the rights of even the children of enemies. So basically, he admonished an army who had killed children. <clears throat> and this is this is the thing that you need to make sure that the most vulnerable people are uh, be saved. Uh, and you know today governments are separating mothers and children the nation of the world with this they still believe that it is islam that is taking away rights and this is very strange still they say islam is the cause of all the conflicts which is wrong islam is basically the guidance the answer we need to end all these conflicts and islam has spoken many many times about that as well um the Holy Prophet said that, that he who is not merciful towards children is not one of us. Again, he, he listeners, have you, have you realized that whenever God or the Holy Prophet speaks, they speak to us in this way that we should realize our responsibilities. That if we don't do these things, we are not Muslims. If we don't do these, these things, we are not part of the religion or of, uh, of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. That if we don't look after the children, he said, we are not none of them. If we don't feed the needy, or don't look after the orphan, don't look after the children, don't look after the um, vulnerable people of in the society, God said, we are not true believers. So he, in this way, can you imagine how he has encouraged us to look after these things and to make sure that we take care, good take, uh, take good care of them. Um. <coughs> The founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, dear listeners, the Prophet Messiah, paid particular attention to his children and upbringing. How he would nurse them during sickness, console them for uh, for hours, tell them stories, morally nurture them, and frequently pray for them. When his oldest daughter Ismad fell ill in Ludhiana, the uh, the Prophet Messiah. Uh, him, uh, himself, uh, himself treated her as it as if it were not possible to live without her. When she passed away, however, he immediately accepted God's will. He looked after Mr. Mubarak Ahmed in a similar manner, and even got same uh, some small birth to cheer him up. And even when he Mr. Mubarak Ahmed passed away in a young age, he still accepted God's will. But yet. He would take care of them. He would make sure that they are happy and to provide them with those things which they would which they would look after or looking after. For example, Mr. Mubarak I mean, from Silas said some used to cheer him up with some small birds. So um we um we know for a fact, the listeners, that victims, children, babies, women of a catastrophe, they played not a part in starting that catastrophe. 
Now, many children growing up in conflict around the world are left with lasting impact on their mental health, which is uh, discussed earlier already. This can lead to diffi- uh, to bedwetting, difficulty falling asleep, nightmares, and strained relationship with their loved one. Now, many children living in conflict zones have lost their homes through shelling, have been displaced from the neighborhood, and have n- have had to leave their friends and family. Such loss and disruption can lead to high rates of depression and anxiety in war-affected children. Since children are still in development, both physical and uh, psychological, the health is seriously endangered in war. Some of them are killed or tortured brutally, while others suffer from serious injuries, sometimes leaving them disabled. Once uh, someone asked his holiness uh, about uh, some advice for those children suffering from mental health issues such as depression. And his holiness said, first you need to find out the underlying cause for the mental health problems. Those suffering should be taken to a psychiatrist by their relatives and they should be treated properly and full effort should be made to rid them of the pain. Then he continued, furthermore, see what time of the day their suffering is most acute. It is in the morning at 10 or 11, then they should go out for a walk at the time to get some fresh air. Secondly, they should pray to Allah the Almighty and they should try to develop their willpower and determination. They should pray that Allah the Almighty brings them out of this phase. So medical care should be adopted and they should also pray. Mental health issues such as depression or an illness like any other, and they, so they should be diagnosed and treated properly. No one should make fun of those suffering or take it lightly. Seek repentance from Allah and do your five daily prayers. Let Allah remove those difficulties. This is the advice given by His Holiness Maya Rabbi Salpa. Uh, the Quran, the listener tells us that Yes, tests are part of life and those tests manifest in those physical forms of loss of wealth and life and hunger and fear. These are all tests from Allah and on the other hand, Allah also tells us that he does not burden anyone with more than what they can handle beyond their capacity. Those tests and those challenges that we face in our life, they are a part of this worldly life. They are part of and parcel of this world. Now, this world is not paradise. When times are good, it is easy to have faith. But when there's a challenge presented, when there's a test that is presented to you, then that is when your faith truly comes to be, and that it is when Muslims are taught to remain steadfast and turn to God. <coughs> the says, you know, Islam, Islam is basically preparing us for the, uh, for the next life. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, has said the most difficult life someone has, can have is, uh, is, is the life of a prophet. So the prophet is that person who is basically living Islam or the religion, right? And yet he is the most the person who is most suffering in this world. And we can see that it's the form of life of the Holy Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi he, he lost his mother when he was six years old. His father passed away before his birth. His all of his sons uh, died uh, when they were premature, uh, when they were st- uh, still babies. Um, daughters, um, I believe, uh, three of them, yes, 
passed away in his lifetime and only one remained alive and he passed away and he lost so many friends so many companions yet he had the most difficult life yes so islam is basically preparing us for the hereafter that the hereafter is the real life and that we should look after that we should prepare for that and for that we need to give sacrifices and uh, this is about islam so basically islam from the beginning is preparing a person to be ready to go to uh, these difficulties because this world is it's just a journey and um the destination is the other world the the hereafter and uh, f- to reach that place um we need to go through difficulties uh, so islam is basically um a religion who says that um is explaining us that what we're looking for is the hereafter and this is what we um are made for and that's why we should be prepared as well so the listeners um it is sad what is going on in the world there are so many conflicts so many people are affected with the conflict and the listeners i believe those people who are not living in this in those conflict areas are also sometimes somehow affected a lot of people fear the loss of those um people uh, of uh, those who are losing their life of those premature babies of these babies even though they don't know them they, but they can feel it and so they are affected as well we just can hope and we can pray that everything comes to an end and as uh, i think the best way to come uh, to bring this to an end is that we recognize god if we recognize god we will if we have love for god then we will have love for his creation as well and so we can end the conflict as well dear listeners we have reached the end of the show um i um uh, very grateful for you to turning in and to listen to our show if you have enjoyed the show you can listen to the show again on soundcloud um i'm also very grateful to halima emmet and sobi emmet who were the producers of today's shows and to our researchers sofia nushin emmet iman mahmud malah mahmud and serge arif If you want to learn more about Islam, you can do so. Stay tuned with the Voice of Islam Radio, or go on our website alislam.org. May the peace and blessings of Allah be with you all.